Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, lovelies. Welcome back to our next episode of the Notable Woman podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewing Michal Birnbaum. Michal and I met when she was a student at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, and she always impressed me. She was incredibly creative and incredibly talented, but more than that, she had drive and ambition, and she just had it together in a way that you don't always see in creative artists. So I always felt like she was going to do something really amazing. And so when she reached out to tell me about about this short film that she's working on, I thought that one, it sounds amazing, and two, that it would be a great fit for The Notable Woman. I'm super impressed. I hope that you enjoy hearing about both Michal herself as a person, as well as this awesome project that she's currently working on. Welcome to The Notable Woman podcast. I'm so happy to introduce Michal Birnbaum. Michal is a native of Israel, and she was born and raised there in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. She spent her military service at the Israel Army, where she served as an arts and entertainment reporter at the IDF radio station. After her service, she moved to NYC to study Jewish studies with a full scholarship. She then enrolled in the conservatory program at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute, where she studied method acting, and also she trained at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. Please join me in welcoming me, Hall. Hello, lady. Hello. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? I'm so good. It's so good to speak with you again. It's been a long time. Thank you. It's good to be on your podcast. Is there anything you'd love the audience to know about you that we didn't get to talk about in your introduction? That I recently moved to Hipsterland Bushwick, and it's very new and exciting to me. That's awesome. <laughs> Where were you in the city before that? I was all the way up in Washington Heights, which was also great. Uh, but now it's 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 nice to live where there are tons of artists and theater and film people. So it's definitely a new adventure for me. I live in Astoria and basically I just eat my way through the city. It's <laughs> delightful. So much good food. So we talked a little bit about this in your introduction. And I know all Israeli citizens have to serve in the military. What was your position like there? I was, uh, I had a very cool job. I was at the radio station of the Israeli military. I'm assuming not a lot of... Uh, armies around the world have a radio station at all, uh, but the Israeli one does have. So I was there for three years. I, I did a bunch of different things. I started at the documentary department, and then um, I became an entertainment reporter, and later on, I was also a news editor. So yeah, it was it was a lot of very stressful at a very young age to do such a thing. But it was it was a great experience. I, I learned a lot. I knew that you had served in the military, but I didn't know doing what. That's really awesome. I had no idea that they had their own media. Just like any other soldier, you still go through a boot camp and you still have to your shooting training. So every every few months, you still go and you have to go through a shooting and, and then guard your base. So, but at the same time, you're, you're also a... I went to theater and to see film and to interview stars and directors. So it was an interesting combination of uh, experience during my service. Must have been a pretty unique experience. Yeah, doing all that on a uniform. Yeah, yes. Now, how did you make the decision of when you first decided that you were going to come to the United States? So I think like a lot of people, or at least a lot of Israelis who come here, we, I didn't necessarily uh, decide to move. You know, I came for one year. 
to see what it's like. And I was I was pretty sure that after that one year, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back home. I was here uh, studying in a Jewish institute, uh, Jewish Studies Institute. They gave me a scholarship. So it was great, just out of fresh out of the army to get such a great opportunity to come to New York and study. So I, I, I took it and it was great. And during that year, I started thinking of theater school and whether I should do that here because ultimately I, I always wanted to do that, but I thought I was going to do it back in Israel. And I started auditioning and looking for different schools. And I got to the Lee Strasberg uh, Institute, and I fell in love with it. I, I heard about Lee Strasberg way back when I was really young and about the method. So I was very curious about it. And when I finally visited, yeah, I knew I, I wanted to stay. So I did, and, and since then I, I stayed in the city. It was never really a decision. And even now, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily feel... Like I need to choose, you know, if, if ever there's a project that's interesting to me in Israel, I'm going to do it in Israel. If there's something here or in Europe, I'm going to go ahead and, and do it. Yeah, for right now, my, my home is in Brooklyn. <laughs> what a nice home it is. Brooklyn's great. <laughs> now, I love that you started talking about projects because you're working on one right now that I think is really interesting. Uh, you're working on the short film Division Ave. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is on that? Yeah, so I started working on it over over a year ago, and it's, it's about Brooklyn. It's about a corner on Division and Marcy Avenues, not so far from where I live, there's a corner of, it's ultimately, there's no way around it. You just have to call it what it is. It's just like a modern slave market. Um, there are women from mostly Eastern Europe and Latin America uh, stand there every morning. And they are hired by the local community for uh, cleaning work, mostly, mostly private homes, but also uh, construction sites in Brooklyn. And as you can imagine, they they're not always treated right. They're not they don't always get paid what they deserve. They don't always get paid on time. They're not always being treated nice by their employers. And yeah, I felt compelled. I, I just needed to to tell the story. And I think it's always great to tell a story that that's happening right in your neighborhood. Those women are, are my neighbors um, and the employers are also my neighbors. So, yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to to tell the story. It's fiction, but it is based on on real events. Me through my conversation with the cleaning ladies, and also from people um, who employ them. It's important for me to say I, I also researched the so-called other side of the situation. And yeah, I, I started writing it over a year ago, and now soon we will start shooting the story. That's really amazing. Now, when you were talking to both sides, did you find that they were, were they easily willing to speak with you? Was it hard to get them to tell the story to you? It wasn't easy, especially, actually, in, in both sides. I made connection with the women through really amazing organization called the Workers' Justice Project. They helped them on a specific case of a cleaning agency owner that hired them and didn't pay them. They uh, helped them to file a lawsuit against this guy. And ultimately, uh, about three months ago, they, they actually settled the case in, in a way that he had to uh, pay them back. 
through this organization, I, I was in touch with them. No, it's not, it's, it's not obvious for them to speak. Their status is not, it's a delicate situation that they're in. They're afraid they still want to work. They still want to get hired and, and support their families. So it's not obvious for them to, to tell their story. And also people from, you know, mostly Jewish Hasidic community um, who employ them, they're also not, it's a very close, if, if I don't know if our people listening aren't necessarily very familiar with the Hasidic Jewish community in Williamsburg, but it's a very kind of closed community. They, they don't necessarily like to speak to outsiders and, and open up. But I, I did, I was able to speak to, to some people from there and, and hear from their experience. So it was, it's a very interesting journey. I'm still, I'm still in it. It's not over yet. Oh, that's really impressive because I, the little experience I have with both sides of that story, it would be very hard to get either to speak. Uh, so I think that's amazing that you've got people to speak with you. What was the process of writing the piece like for you? I started with just one scene of the cleaning lady opening up and telling her employer about the situation. The situation is that the employer, she hires her through an agency and the agency, the middleman doesn't pay the cleaning lady. He does take the money from from the, the house owner, but he doesn't pay the cleaning lady. So I started with writing writing just this one scene where they, they actually, she's, she's being honest with her employer and, and they find out that they can, they can actually connect on this level. And, you know, two women in men's world, they can actually join forces and, and, and go after uh, the money and get justice. Um, and with this one film, uh, sorry, this one scene, uh, we filmed it. We, we went and me and Lorena Rodriguez, who also studied with me at the Lee Strasberg uh, Theater and Film Institute. And once we had this little trailer or teaser trailer, we decided we would go to crowdfunding and get the rest of the funding to film the, the entire Film. I did see that you had that on there and I said, huh, I wonder how you got the teaser already. So that's great. That's really smart. Just for me going to see the Kickstarter page, it gave me a sense of what the film would be like. And uh, it seems really interesting. And uh, I think the topic is fascinating, particularly in this political climate. Uh, it's really fascinating because there is so much conversation about people who don't work in the country legally. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't ignore it. It's definitely, yeah, it's it's a good and bad, depends how you look at it, time to make this film. We don't know who's going to be the president when the, once the film, once we finish it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely bothering us. It's definitely a story that needs to be told exactly, exactly now when, when the future of those people is, is not clear. Yeah. Do both sides that you've spoken to, do they know that you are creating this work and that their stories are going to be told? Yeah, it's again, it's, it's delicate. The women, you know, on this corner are not. I'm not expecting them to necessarily push this project. They have their their lives to live. Yeah, I got I got some some negative comments, especially on Twitter, from the Hasidic community. Some of them see it as, as they think maybe I make them look bad in the film. I personally do not think this is the case. Um, in my film, the Hasidic woman she actually helps Fernanda, the cleaning lady, to go and get what she deserves, it's okay. I mean, not everyone has to like it. 
I think some some clean ladies are not happy with the way they're treated. Some of the people in the Hasidic community blame blame them for stealing. You know, it's it's love hate relationship. They get they get cheap. <laughs> you know, they they pay them quite you know little for hour, but then they keep hiring them. So I guess they they do a good job, and I'm sure. One of the goals of this film is is really to encourage employers to to think about the person that they're hiring and regardless of their status in the U.S. to to pay them what they they deserve and and to pay them on time. Really, that's all they want. Preach, lady, preach. I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> advocate of that. I think that uh, I know a lot of people because again, my background being in the theater uh, that do a lot of freelance work. And they don't get paid. And, yeah. and, you know, certainly it's in some ways very similar to this because they have families. They do the work. Their people are happy with the work. The show ends. They don't get paid. And it's very, very common. And I just think that if you cannot afford to pay people what they need to be paid, then you should not be doing whatever it is you're trying to do. Right. And it's not even it's not about being afraid of the law or things being legal or illegal. It's just about being human. I agree 100 percent. Now, I know you as an actor. So is it a stretch or is it different? How is it for you to be working on this project as a writer producer? It's definitely the the biggest thing I, I wrote and produced so far. I used to do more comedy to write sketches, both for theater and film. You know, if you're coming from theater, I don't need to tell you that when you open <laughs> like breakdown services and you scroll through the female roles, all there like every other word is sexy, every other word is uh, I don't know what. So it's definitely refreshing to just create my own female roles to to write the role that I want for myself and for the other uh, women in my film. So yeah, it's a stretch, but it's it's a great stretch. It's a great stretch that I that I welcome, and I'm I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. One of my favorite quotes is uh, Toni Morrison, where she says that the reason that she started to write books is because no one had written the book that she wanted to read yet. And so I think it's great that you're creating your own work, so you can play those roles. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Gina Davis Institute. She does a lot of work with the. Uh, women producers, creators, directors that I find really fascinating. Actually, the director of my film, Ophelia Yanez, the way I found her was also through a similar uh, organization called Directed by Women. I really wanted a, a, a woman to direct my film, and I knew I wanted her to be from, from the Mexican community in the U.S., and yeah, I went online, I went on Facebook, I found this this amazing initiative. I introduced myself. And yeah, they they have a really nice list of women directors. And I saw Ophelia's short, the film that she created. It's about two, uh, two relationship of two women in the Latin community. That's also very you know conservative community and and the way they're treated. And I fell in love with her work. I knew immediately I wanted her to to direct my film. And yeah, I'm at a contact and here we are. So it's it's very nice to 
to find the right person to, to direct your project, and especially if it's a woman. Now, how can the Notable Woman audience help you to make this happen? We are in a very overwhelmingly successful crowdfunding campaign. We have uh, two weeks left, and we're about funded about uh, 33%, so it's going very well. And what you can do is go to a Kickstarter page, watch the video, learn about the film. We have a we have a teaser trailer and we have awesome rewards for you. You can get the film on a USB, you can get an awesome t-shirt and many other uh, cool stuff. And yeah, make a pledge, support us, and who knows, maybe you'll get to see us in can festival or sundance or any of the big ones is that your plan you want to submit this to festivals yes we want to submit it to big festivals and then after the festivals round is over it will be um, available for everyone to watch because because really what it's about it's about um encouraging us to to think about the help that we hire so we we want to get to to employers that's really what we hope to do with this film both both cleaning ladies and and nannies you know it's funny we we employ nannies and they raise our children like they do probably the most important work and then so often they they don't get paid what they deserve or they don't get paid on time and they're not treated well and this is just I'm not a mother but you are so maybe you can tell me I mean it's yeah it's it's absurd it's absurd it definitely is. Being, again, from the theater background, I have a bazillion friends who are nannies, and they are often reaching out to me, just checking in on what the law is. You know, should I have been paid already? What's Can I get this? Can I get that? Uh, there's no one to tell them. They don't know. The people that are employing them are often not treating them well. Not everyone, obviously, but a large majority of them. Why would you treat the people who are caring for your children badly? It's a very frustrating thing. So I think that a lot of people need to see your film. And I'll link to your Kickstarter page in our show notes. And then also, since your campaign is coming to an end in about two weeks, let's definitely stay in touch So because this podcast episode will be live for a very long time. And as things happen with your film, we'll keep updating the uh, show notes page so that people can know what's going on. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to update and let you know when we get to the finish line, fully funded and ready to go to production. Awesome. I think that people will really love that. Now, what would your advice be for someone who wants to do what you're doing to make their own work about a story they think needs to be told? I think, first of all, really, it sounds obvious, but to tell a story that you're passionate about, not to belittle other projects, but very often you see a project that's about a, a man and a woman and a, and a, a you know, a romance. It's nice, but I'm sure everyone can find something that they really care about. I mean, personally, I would only invest in a project that's really a social project. That's really about a important social matter that you want to 
you want to bring to light. I think I think people also want to contribute to such a project. So if you can, you know, if you can tell a story that maybe not so many people heard yet, that that's definitely an advantage. And then specifically crowdfunding, I, I actually spent almost a year just learning about crowdfunding. I think a lot of people use those platforms. They don't really know what they're going into. It's a whole, you know, it's it's not a film and it's not acting. It's just, it's it's a profession of its own. So I really advise people to just learn it. Take Take online courses about how it works, how to get people's attention, how to you know, get your message across and to show people why your cause is important because there, there are million, million uh, films and causes like that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, we had something to show already. We had a, a little teaser trailer. So that's also very helpful if you can get, if you can invest a little bit from your own funds to make something so people can imagine it's better to show a picture and a video, even if you're doing a, a music album, even if it's not a film, it's it's better to help people imagine what the project's going to look like. It's going to make it much easier to convince them to, to invest in you. Now, what would you say is the biggest assumption that people make about you? Ooh. <laughs> Uh, well, every actor, I guess, has their typecast, and I'm this little curly redhead, <laughs> blue-eyed girl. So, assumption, yeah, maybe that I'm naive, that I'm, uh, yeah, I would say naive, which is, it's not bad. It's, as an actor, you learn to use it, right? You have to use everything, so if that's the, like, first impression of, people of you you just you just go ahead and and do those characters and then and then your career develops and and you get different other parts i i enjoy it i enjoy it because then sometimes you you get to surprise people so that's good <laughs> i mean you must surprise people all the time because you are very strong woman very confident totally know what you want and you get it and so uh i think that anyone who makes a mistake of thinking that you are some sort of tiny little curly haired pushover it's a mistake they will not make again i see it as an advantage i don't spend too much you know trying to to prove people wrong i just i just do what i do now what would be one takeaway you'd want people to get from this podcast you don't have to wait to create your own work i know young i i feel like young artists hear that a lot but maybe you know i, I can't stress this enough i think when when you go to theater institute, you think, oh, well, I, I, I don't know how to write. I should learn how to write. Oh, I don't know anything about lighting. I should learn about lighting. That's true. But at the same time, you, you just have to, at some point, you have to start to stop uh, reading books about how to produce and reading books about script writing and just go and do, even if it's like a 30-second really stupid video you do with your friends, I think you should really just go ahead and do that. Because at some point, yes, you want to be a pro, but at some point you just have to start doing. So I think that's something that many women, you know, it's a very feminine thing. We, we, we doubt ourselves. And yeah, you can doubt yourself and just still do. Just doubt and do, doubt and do. That's okay. You don't have to post it on Facebook if you're not happy with it. 
But yeah, I, I really recommend just just to go and do it. Excellent advice. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's certainly my mantra right now is done is better than perfect. So exactly. Yeah, I know that I'm not the greatest podcast interview in the world, but I could spend oh, stop years. it. Well, no, I could. I could spend years studying or I could just start. So I said, I'm going to start. I know I want to do it. I've wanted to do it forever. So now I'm just doing it. Yeah. Congrats. No, people can't see you. It's a podcast, but you're sitting there with your earphone with your, yeah. And, and the, and the, you know, this, this blue microphone, it looks like so natural. <laughs> oh, thank you. Doubt and do. I'm going to make a big sign for me that says <laughs> doubt and do. I love it. I think it's great. Now, do you have a book that you would love to recommend? I'm a big reader. I love recommendations. I'm sure everyone else would love to hear anything you might want to recommend. Actually, I have next to me something that I'm reading slowly every night. It's called The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity by Julia Cameron and um, Mark Bryan. It's kind of this old-fashioned, I guess, self-help for artists, but I, I love I love those. I, I don't necessarily, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't necessarily do everything they recommend, but it's really nice before, you know, before you go to bed to just read a few pages of, of uh, motivation. She really goes, the author, Julia Cameron, comes from a very, I think, uh, Christian environment, which is interesting to me as, as a Jewish person to, to read. And she she really has this whole theory about how your creativity is, is from God. And if, if you don't do it, then you're, you're going against what, what God is an intent intention for you but she has also a very practical ideas of how you know for writers for for artists how to really use this creativity to yeah to start working and to to create i i highly recommend it awesome thank you i'll put a link to it in the show notes now if people wanted to get in touch with you how should they connect um i have a website it's my name.com michalbernbaum.com i'm also on facebook and twitter um yeah i would love to to connect with other artists with other women who love to act and direct and write always excellent i will put links for all of that in our show notes i just want to say thank you so much this is wonderful i think your film is amazing and i think that it's going to do great things so thanks for sharing it with us thank you so much thank you for having me and congratulations on on your podcast. I think it's great. We need more outlets like that to, to feature women's work. So congrats. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Hall. I really had a great time. Wonderful conversation. It really reminded me a lot of episode one with Tia Shearer Bassett. So if you're creative or interested in creativity, give that episode a listen as well. If you're digging the show, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and tell your friends. I really appreciate it. I really, really want as many people as possible to get a hold of this podcast and have it help them make an impact. Thank you so much. I'll catch you again next week. Bye for now. 